Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. On today's show, Twitter shuts the door on developers. Everyone and their mother joins the InLocation Alliance and PayPal, wow, jumps on the Discover bus, don't they? Plus, the usual funding and M&A activity, our resource of the week and special guest, Michael Hagen, who is the COO of Level Up. I can't believe it. What a show coming up right now. Welcome, everybody. This is episode number 92 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. We're recording this live Sunday night, August 26, 2012. Welcome to the show. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv. I'm in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, after a great trip to Asif's hometown. Welcome, buddy. Good to be here, as usual. Uh, Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association. Uh, you can find us at the LBMA on Twitter or on uh, the uh, dot .com. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great to be here. I missed you when you were in town, Rob. Uh, you were in and out, but uh, I know you got your money's worth. Um, so, yeah. Boy, did I ever, yes. Uh, for those of you who didn't know or aren't in Toronto or aren't Springsteen fans or this is your first episode, uh, Friday night, Rogers Center, which is the uh, Toronto Blue Jays baseball stadium, downtown Toronto, right by the waterfront. Beautiful location. My goodness, a three-hour and 47-minute marathon concert by Bruce Springsteen. Can't believe it, Asif. You should have been there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like I like the guy. I like I like the music. I'm just not uh, I'm just not a big fan like you, Ruff. Not I gotta say, you know, I uh, if someone gave me the tickets, I'd go. But uh, yeah. Well, you know what? It, he converted a whole bunch of people that night. And uh, for those of you who were in the audience, there was a special moment. I got to play like 10 seconds of the song because it, it brought so much. And for those of you who aren't Springsteen fans, this will convert you. He did this um, piano acoustic version of Incident on 57th Street. It was unbelievable. It was hypnotic. I got to play it here. I'm going to play like 10 seconds of it. And then, of course, YouTube is going to shut us down. But I'm going to play 10 seconds of it anyways. Here it is. Here is Springsteen. Just a clip from the other night. It was unbelievable. I could quite seriously do that all day. My apologies. I have a uh, fanaticism around Springsteen. That's probably longer than 10 seconds. But if you want to do it, just go ahead. Google it or YouTube it. Uh, just do uh, Incident on 57th. What a great way to start the show. Come on, Asif. <laughs> well, I mean, I couldn't hear it while you were playing it. So there you go. I know. I missed it. But uh, I, I will catch it on the uh, once this thing goes live. So there you go. Yes. Well, don't worry. I'll include the link in the show notes because it's worth it. That's for sure. All right, so that was the only that was the only thing that we had going on uh, that I had going on this weekend. Uh, we don't have anything to push. There's no events. There's no nothing other than pure news from the past week. Obviously, uh, we are going to touch on uh, Twitter. We got a special clip here that I that I put together from uh, Brett McLean, who is a, uh, a local entrepreneur in Toronto, and we had this very conversation about building um, your product on somebody else's ecosystem. And now, all of a sudden, something's going on with Twitter. We're going to touch on that. We got uh, this in alliance. Um, in-location alliance that is being formed by about a thousand companies. We're going to talk about Red Cross, Tokyo Metro, and uh, My Town, PayPal, and uh, of course this this uh, teaming up with Discover. And uh, we've got uh, Michael coming up. We've got uh, funding news. We've got our resource of the week. Did you know that mobile ad spending is going to hit seven point four billion dollars? That's crazy. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. So before I give it all away, why don't we just jump into this? Um, our first story, we're going to talk about this um, for just a minute here because there is a location and a marketing segment to this. But uh, Twitter, uh, in over the last week, has uh, successively 
shut down access or limited access and uh, some people are saying to their to their API and some people are saying that this will actually limit innovation. Um, the very thing that got Twitter to where it is today will limit innovation going forward. You have a take on this, Asif? Strictly from a location standpoint, Twitter has been called the uh, the nervous system of the internet and location was a big part of this, certainly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the you know the idea of um, you know automatically broadcasting your location or at least having that as an option uh, from from the user's perspective, uh, you know, associated with with that uh, tweet that you were pushing out there, I, I think is 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 a uh, is a big piece. The question around this API issue has to do with who controls that information and you know where where is it starting from. So Twitter's argument here, you know, with this is is that uh, you know. We're doing that ourselves. We're building that into our own uh, system. Uh, we don't need third parties um, that are leveraging uh, the Twitter infrastructure, um, you know, to do that for us. So the so ideally, what they're going for here is is that you know they they've done a great job over the last you know couple of years of you know effectively using the marketing infrastructure um, of other people to to grow the user base of Twitter is how I you know how I look at it. And now they're saying, well, you know, you know, we've done this. We, we've gotten to to you know a substantial user base. Um, you know, we're trying to figure out how to monetize now. We've got you know promoted tweets going. We've got all these kinds of things going on. Um, and you know, we're more than capable of building all this stuff ourselves. Uh, you know, into the platform. We don't need all these third party uh, you know relationships anymore. You know, and you know there was a big announcement about you know around Tumblr this week. Um, you know, um, you know they, they shut off Tumblr. Um, you know, LinkedIn uh, dropped uh, you know the relationship with Twitter a few months back in the summer, uh, at the beginning of the summer, and uh, you know, a lot of people were complaining about that. So, you know, but but ultimately, I think this is a good move. For yeah, I, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, you know, Twitter, there's there's always a challenge. And I'm going to show you this clip in a second here uh, with uh, with Breton, um, whose company is Flixel. And he, he built a product called Tweetagora um, a while ago. And it was basically another Twitter client. And it, but it did some unique features that, that Twitter has now shut down and decided to shut down, which was the ability to mute people. I mean, this is this is all baked into the new version or the new API terms and services. And and there are a lot of companies that this is going to that this is going to have an impact on it. But I think the biggest thing that they're they're trying to do is create innovation. Don't recreate something that you know that Twitter is going to do. And also, there was that staggering statistic we brought it up in an early episode where seventy to eighty to eighty five percent of all activity in Twitter was through the APIs and not through Twitter.com. Very hard to monetize that when everybody else is making money off of it. So this is a logical thing, but there is a challenge here, building something on somebody else's platform. And I'm going to flip this over to Breton, who is uh, who is uh, wise in this. And this is his second time. I'm just going to play a minute or two. This is an interview that I did with him a, a couple of weeks back for Untether.tv. You can find the whole episode up there on Untether.tv. I'm just going to uh, give, it a, give it a whirl here and uh, give this a listen. Uh, my question really is about what were you thinking about building on somebody else's platform? Because earlier on in the interview, what we had talked about was the fact that Chirp, which was the very first developer conference that Twitter ever did, was the only developer conference that they ever did. And that was a clear indication about where they were going. And uh, so here's Brett, and I'll just play roll it for a few minutes. And and uh, hopefully, you you, uh, you know, you get a little bit of insight from somebody who's done this before. A little bit more direct, Brett. I mean, what were you thinking back then? Uh, building on the ecosystem of Twitter like this, thinking like, uh, you know, all the signs, as you said, with the right eyes, somebody who's not impassioned or passionate about their product, like me. I mean, I loved your product, but it wasn't. I wasn't breathing it every day. Um, but you could start to see this this turn a little bit against you guys. Um, would you ever do that again? Would you ever build a product on on a platform like Twitter? Well, um, at the time, uh, right up until the Tweety acquisition, it was a viable business strategy. And because yeah. of the fact that Twitter was actually promoting these clients, um, and because of the fact that we were doing something that none of the other ones were doing, um, it, didn't seem as crazy then uh, to, to go for it. We were ultimately creating something for ourselves that we felt that other people like us would use and that's usually the recipe for a great product. Um, but building on top of somebody else's platform is really risky. Foursquare could do the same thing tomorrow. Like how many, how many other systems out there are using Foursquare's database? 
right now to pull in locations. Um, it, but shouldn't that frighten people? Or, you know, things like that from Groupon or whatever. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, there's, there's a problem that exists across the system. Yeah. Uh, but I understand, you know, early on when you're launching platforms, you know, you want developers building with you. You want everybody helping grow, you know, and scale up for you. So, so this is a real risk. And, and we bring this up here as a caveat. Look what happened to Tweet Agora and to Breton. Look what's happening to all these companies like LinkedIn. Uh, who who relying on Facebook or uh, Twitter for their stream and what's going on with uh, with Tumblr and what's going on with Instagram these companies that used to once rely on on Twitter not so much anymore so if you're building your business around somebody else's API be warned it, you know that free love that utopian world that we lived in for the last couple of years somebody has to make some money at some point and that's what Twitter is waking up and realizing good business move I think but tough on the developers all right. All right. Yes. So we'll leave that alone now. Uh, love your feedback on that. What do you think? If you're a developer, reach out on tether at gmail.com. Thank you. All right. So uh, our real first story around this, uh, this uh, focused on the location space. What, what, you got to explain this to me because there's like 300 companies that have come together to form this in location alliance. And none of those companies are the dominant ones that are out there right now, led by Nokia. Uh, neat idea. Explain it, and then let's let's talk about is this something that is actually necessary in this world that we live in? Well, it's here's how I look at this. So there's 22 companies involved. Uh, you know, as you said, led by Nokia. Only only 22 powerhouses: uh, Broadcom, uh, Genesis. Uh, well, in CTO is is one of the you know it was one of the big players um, out of France. Um, you know, Nordic Semiconductor, Rapid Blue, Qualcomm, Sony Mobile. I mean, the list. Samsung. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So, what is this thing? This is a an alliance. Uh, it's called of folks who are interested in cooperating around indoor location, indoor positioning. Um, uh, and uh, I think it's interesting. I mean, they're focusing on the Bluetooth 4.0 uh, standard and, and Wi-Fi standards. So for me, this is kind of you know an offshoot of the you know the Wi-Fi standards uh, body um, uh, in some respects. Um, you know, guys who've been part of that organization for a long time, but are you know focusing on indoor location as a as a revenue opportunity uh, and trying to promote that as a business. Uh, I get it. Um, you know, and and you know, st recent studies have come out and said indoor location is the next billion-dollar market. Um, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think that you know there's massive opportunities available here. Um, you know, I question, however, whether you know the effectiveness of a group like this. I mean, there was no information on, you know, what it's going to look like. Uh, you know, who's you know uh, you know who's leading it. You know, are they are, are is there a mandate to put out research? And you know, what are the objectives other than, you know, we're banding together to say we all support the same uh, industry standards uh, from a technology perspective. And that's and, it. And uh, you know, and, and we're going to have inter interoperability between our our hardware. But the hardware, I mean, it's not it's not the relevant hardware. Like you, you know, there's no there's no uh, Apple involved in this, and and it's a weird thing that the hardware manufacturers are jumping into this, and especially twenty two of them. That's unwieldy. That's too many people to be involved in this to come up with a standard. And I, and are we at a point where in uh you you know inside location requires a standard? I mean. I, I can understand. Isn't isn't are they building it on a on a Bluetooth standard, right? Well, I think they're using the existing standards. Yeah. is what they're saying. Um, but it, this is about interoperability. Is to say, okay, you know, I've got you know this you know broadband router thing sitting in here, and it's a uh, you know Nokia uh, or device or Samsung device or something, and you know, and then this Qualcomm phone over here is going to be able to talk to it. Um, because you know we're you know we we designed it to work together. You know, like I don't know. Big stretch. I, I really don't know you know where this is going to go. Um, but hey, it's uh, I, I'll applaud the recognition that indoor location is going to be a huge market. Yeah, you know, and it is, and we know this that indoor location is going to be massive. And, and uh, there, there's some great uh, use cases out there about indoor location. It's not just it's not just about uh, finding stores and retail and pushing ads. It, it goes much deeper than that. And and indoor location is a challenge because you know it it requires hardware. But I think you know what I think. 
if these guys were smart, they would look at this. So Bluetooth as a standard is fine, but I would look at peer-to-peer, -peer, like a mesh network inside of the uh, inside of the locations that they're at. Like so, indoor mesh networking with a with a Bluetooth uh, uh, standard that allowed you to do it dynamically. They could create traffic patterns and flows and understand how how many people are in line somewhere. Do something useful like that as opposed to uh, you know interoperability stuff that they're talking about here leverage the the platforms that they've got and all the devices that are out there and give me a map of something so that finally we I talked about this with the with the uh, Toronto sports and entertainment folks is that why I really want to know how long the lineup is where's the shortest lineup for the yeah. beer that's it like answer that question and and you've got me don't but don't don't give me other stuff just answer where's the shortest line where's the shortest distance between me and handing somebody my money for a beer if you answer that question with indoor um, mapping and indoor location you've won you've won the game that's where they should be focusing on beer 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 all right uh, or know, springsteen well they go, they go hand in hand by the way just so you know <laughs> open air all right all right, so uh, that's interesting. Uh, in Location Alliance, we have no spot. I found the story on uh, the Boy Genius Report, uh, bgr.com, and I have no idea where else uh, you know you can find it, but just do a search for In Location Alliance if you're interested in finding a little bit more information about it. You know, we'll see. We'll keep our eye out for this. How's that? All right, the second story, this is a feel-good story. Um, you know, my experience, I got to tell you, today, frustration, yesterday, frustration with mobile websites. God, they suck ass out there. They suck. This is a warning to you guys. Your websites suck. What was I on today? I was on. I was probably on 30 different mobile websites today as we were touring around. They all sucked. They all sucked. And you know what? You know the Thai Express? It's a chain here of Thai, uh, Thai restaurants. They sucked the most. ThaiExpress.com, you suck as a mobile experience. So when when you when I saw this um, story come across, the Red Cross redesigning their website with a more mobile-friendly, mobile-first approach, I applauded this because the stuff that they're talking about is exactly what everybody else should be doing. So kudos to them. Let's talk about what they've done here. And ThaiExpress, your website sucks on a mobile device, and that's going to cost you customers. Carry on. Yeah, and it's not. And I think the interesting thing here is it's not only you know optimizing your website for mobile um, and, and making sure that you're doing that, but it's the combination of what you're doing on mobile web and you're doing on on apps. And that's what Red Cross is is done here. They said, look, mobile is is big. It's huge. We got to be all over it. And we're going to make sure everything we're we're doing is uh, is optimized for that. So that you know they launched a. A Red Cross first aid app. Uh, they've got a, a, a hurricane app uh, out there. You know, iOS and Android for both of these things. And now they've gone and they basically, you know, sort of completely revamped the uh, the website. Um, and, and the interesting thing about it is, is, is you know, the reason that caught my attention was, is they've factored in uh, location-based services into the into the mobile web uh, experience. Um, and so what happens is, is they basically say that you know if you're in a in a, a person that's in a particular state, you're impacted by a hurricane, um, you may have a different uh, you know content delivery experience uh, than somebody in a different state that has you know that has wildfires going on right now. So they're looking at you know where you're viewing the content from or where you're connecting to their site from from a location perspective, and you're delivering relevant content to you based on that experience. Yeah, this this to me, um, you know, is ex exactly what we should be doing here in, in the contextualized location world. And context can be a number of things, as you said, forest fires, natural disasters. This is what Red, Red Cross plays. And when I launch an application in Ottawa or in New York City and nothing's going on, I should be able to get, uh, I mean, I'm interested in expanding to that, but my 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 first view should be my local view and some of the things that they're talking right. about here that I'm just going to pull up on screen hopefully people can read this is a little bit geolocation which is huge but it's also uh, a new mobile optimized site uh, so that that it, it plays to the strengths of the folks that or the location of where you are so that uh, this is great so if there's a, a training session that's going on nearby this is something that you could actually do you can sign up for those kind of things um, They've also, you know, donations, they made it very easy to donate. And, you know, I, I think that uh, that's one of the key things you can donate. Uh, I mean, I'll pull that up in a second, but you can donate 
uh, absolutely to any, uh, you know, it's not just relevant to you. Um, you can donate, like here, I'll pull it up here. Donate, for example, you can donate funds to, as it comes up here, where the need is greatest, which I think is the coolest feature of all, uh, the disaster relief or your local Red Cross chapter. What, what they're doing here is what everybody should be doing when it comes to location and a mobile is just understanding who your audience is, that this is something that is different for every, every, every location. And uh, good on Red Cross for doing that. I, I like it. And Thai Express, your website sucks. <laughs> but you know what? It's not only that. It's like, uh, you know, uh, we were checking out the Eaton Center website, um, the mall in Toronto, and uh, that sucked because I couldn't find out what time stores were open or closed till. Um, you, you know, there are certain things that you just need to do. The common sense. I, I, I don't even know. Uh, you, I, you can stand on top of a pulpit. You can use examples like Red Cross and say, this is what sh people should be doing. But if, if people don't get it, they don't understand, they're going to start losing business as a result. And man. So, uh, you know, if you want to check out a good site, go to redcross.org forward slash m forward slash index dot jsp. And just on any browser, it's important you do the slash m slash index dot jsp and you'll get to the mobile version of the website. And uh, wherever you are, it's context relevant. Very cool. Redcross.org. A while back, we uh, talked about this company, My Town, didn't we, Asif? We did. It's been a long time, though. Yeah, like uh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe episode in, in the 40s somewhere, you know, a whole world ago, um, yeah. maybe a year ago. But uh, so what they've signed an agreement with, they're, they're going to be featured in, in the Tokyo metro stations now? Yeah, no, so what's, what's happening is, is uh, for those folks out there who aren't familiar with my town, go check it out. It's, it, it's a, a really cool location-based gaming uh, environment. So it's sort of like... Um, uh, Second Life, um, uh, but you know, with a, with a uh, connection to the real world. Let's call it that. So, first of all, uh, the idea behind my town is is that you know it's a virtual world. Uh, you're going through all these uh, different places, uh, branded experiences in a virtual world, but they're connected to the same brands in the real world. So the idea is is that you know you go to the uh, Empire State Building uh, in New York for real, and you check in there, and then you know that same thing uh, can happen in the in the My Town uh, virtual world, and you can you can build your uh, your world based on uh, things that you've interacted with in in the real world. So what they've done here is is they've signed a deal with uh, Tokyo Metro, which is the uh, transit authority uh, in, in Tokyo and UME. Um, which is the company behind uh, uh, my town uh, put this deal together and so as of now effectively as you're going to you know the the subway stations the train stations in Tokyo uh, 179 different uh, metro stations uh, in Tokyo and you check into these places you can then add them to your uh, you know your virtual world in my town and then you can earn different points and items and things like that as well um, so, you know, they're basically facilitating this relationship that, uh, that we're talking about, which is, it, it's kind of cool. I had a comment once um, from somebody who, uh, who, who actually uses MyTown uh, regularly, and, and they said to me, they said what they liked about it was, while there was check-ins in the real world involved, um, it wasn't the same as sharing your location on Foursquare or Facebook Places or anything like that from a, you know, broadcasting, privacy, um, you know, uh, data uh, sharing perspective, because what's really happening here is is that you're doing, you're checking in, but you're actually, effectively, you're checking in in a virtual world. So you get the benefits of checking in in a real world, but you know, played out in 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 a virtual world. Well, I, I like the uh, I like the crossover. That's one of the things that we talked about in the, in the first time that uh, you brought up my town and, and that crossover between real life. And digital life is, uh, yeah. it, I mean, it's great effect. So it will, I, another one of these stories that we're not sure where this goes, but certainly <clears throat> when you talk about metro stations in Tokyo, you're not talking about a few people. You're talking about massive exposure and massive yeah, yeah. opportunities. So we'll see how, what happens with my town. If you're, you know, if you're interested in anything to do with those guys, you can hit up booyah.com, B-O-O-Y-A-H.com, the makers of my town. Now here's a story. Maybe this was a predictor at the beginning of the of the year. You Asif Asif Khan 
right there. I did. Right to this side, right here, right here to me. Said, hey, listen, one of the companies to watch this year, big company, big company, going to have a big impact in mobile. Yeah, you can point to yourself. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> one of the one of the biggest companies that is going to come out of this industry when it comes to uh, commerce, enabling commerce, enabling mobile transactions, one such PayPal forging a relationship. You know, you thought it was big when something like Square signed up with 7000 Starbucks, right? Well, PayPal just signed an agreement to piggyback with the Discover card and on the Discover card transaction network with how many? 7 million locations now can accept PayPal cards starting in March 2013? Yeah, this, this is a huge, is massive. huge deal for PayPal. And we, and we you know, we, we've been talking about the Square thing and we've been talking about, you know, JCPenney and we've been talking about all this stuff the last few weeks. Um, but, you know, here comes PayPal. And, and we were, you know, just a couple weeks ago we were saying, you know, what's happening with PayPal's uh, here and what's happening with all this stuff? We haven't heard a lot and here we come. Boom, uh, you know, 7 million merchant locations across the U.S. with the Discover card. So all this is is, you know, if you're a merchant, you already accept Discover. Now you basically also accept PayPal, um, you know, via that, uh, via that card. So uh, th this is huge, um, you know, for a lot of people. PayPal is also, uh, I was reading uh, elsewhere in the press release, they've, they've signed up JCPenney. They've signed up Home Depot. Abercrombie and Fitch, Jamba Juice. I mean, they they got all sorts of retailers uh, coming on board uh, with this. Um, you know, and in a slightly separate story, um, not to take anything away from the Discover thing, um, there was another story this week, and I, I didn't mention this in the notes to you, Rob. So uh, I apologize, but um, they're also running a trial right now in France uh, with thirty McDonald's locations. Yeah. yeah. So you know, McDonald's. And PayPal. I mean, like that. Like that's massive. Um, and and this one's interesting because it's not using any of the existing um, uh, systems that PayPal has. This is a separate uh, standalone smartphone app uh, that they that they've put together. And customers basically uh, on the McDonald for this McDonald's trial, you order your food through the app, you pay for it through the app. And then you go to a, a, a separate counter in the uh, in the store to just pick up your stuff. Uh, that's just for PayPal customers. Um, you know that's pretty cool. Uh, you know there, it's only thirty stores right now, but if this thing works, I mean, there's thirty thousand McDonald's restaurants around the world. It, it, it's it's uh, it's crazy. And and what I like about this PayPal story, you know, I, I like PayPal. I, I love what they're doing. Um, you know, they, they're finally putting these pieces together to enable people to go and, and pay. And I mean, how many people have a PayPal? I mean, I get paid through PayPal all the time. And uh, then what I do is I transfer it over from an American account to a Canadian account. And then what I do is I wait seven days till it deposits into my bank account. This is a much more efficient way of allowing me to actually use those funds that are in there in real time. If it ever came up to Canada, which is one of the things challenges, but... It doesn't require the merchants to add additional hardware or software. It doesn't require them to get on any additional network. It doesn't require them to do anything other than be able to accept this. And it comes with a credit card, I guess the PayPal cards, in, in starting in March of 2013, where the, the card is itself is not a, a credit card. It's basically an access card to all the accounts that you have affixed with attached to your PayPal account, which I love that. And then when you make a payment, they give you seven days to decide where it comes from. And this is the closest thing I've ever seen to the real digital wallet. Remember we were talking about this a number of episodes ago. My view of a digital wallet is enabling me to pay with the resources that I have. So if I have, if there's anything with monetary value, like Facebook credits, cash, PayPal cash, bank account, credit cards, wherever there's money that makes sense, wherever there's the lowest interest rate that I can use at that moment, wherever the biggest benefit is, whatever, if it's an American Express transaction and I get a 5% discount, I want to be able to use that. I want to be able to right. apl apply the best use of funds to this. And I think that this is the beginning of that for PayPal, just because it's not affixed to a credit card. And and you can see that this moving to the mobile space pretty quickly. But But man, this is... This is, they're saying all the right things. We're going to see how this rolls out, but 7 million, 7 million locations will accept now the, the PayPal. And, you know, I can't imagine that McDonald's is going through this lightly. Three, 30 in Europe, but come on. Like, it's only a matter of time before they start to roll this out when this is a success. Right? My God. I love it. PayPal. Go PayPal. Goodness gracious. 
those are the five stories, you know, four and a half. We'll call the Twitter story a half a story, but it's big when it comes to the development community. I think it's big when it comes to indexing location, but we talked about that. We're talking about the in-location alliance, redcross.org's re redo and um, uh, their website and their app strategy. Tokyo Metro uh, getting my town and PayPal seemingly about to dominate the entire world in transactions. And this is a an interesting play. And you know, it's funny because our, our special guest today, Michael Hagan, COO of Level Up is actually in this same space. But this was this is a snippet of what Level Up is and how they help merchants increase basket size and bring people back by simply providing a mechanism for them to pay mobily. So it's a it's a pretty cool tool. We like these guys, don't we? I see. Love him, and uh, and Michael's a great guy too. He's uh, you know, if you ever get a chance to meet him in person, yeah. Anyhow. So, great company, great people. Um, yeah. So here is Michael Hagen, COO of Level Up, for a five or six minute clip. Enjoy this. We'll catch you on the other side. What What is Level Up, man? Sure, sure. So um, Level Up is the Interchange Mobile Payment Network, Interchange Zero Mobile Payment Network, I should say. Uh, we we have um, essentially solved what what we call the problem that is interchange. Uh, as as many of you know, if you if you run a business or if you're watching the show and uh, you have ever dealt with credit card companies, you know that it's a very expensive uh, expensive part of your business to uh, accept payment via credit card. Actually, costs you a significant amount of money, and it's, particularly if you're a small business, you're paying an exorbitant percentage of uh, of, of any given purchase. So uh, that was a big problem, and. Um, something that we took a very hard look at when we were getting into the mobile payment space. Um, our background being mobile and gaming and influence behavior, we had some expertise in how to uh, really add value to that transaction beyond just the simple moving of the money. Uh, and that's really the genesis for what Level Up is. We have solved interchange. And what I mean by that is uh, through using mobile, uh, on the consumer side, being able to pay with your phone, and on the merchant side, being able to accept payments of mobile phones, we've been able to essentially drop interchange to zero. And you might be thinking, well, how in the world is that possible? Well, we've been able to create a business model where instead of charging interchange, we're able to add so much value to a business that we can essentially write the interchange costs off uh, and essentially help a business grow by way of acquiring new customers, helping uh, more customers come back more often. Uh, and so we, we spent a lot of time thinking about loyalty and how we can increase the engagement that a given merchant could have with their customer base uh, and really kind of the, you know, the secret sauce that is Level Up uh, is how we do all of those things. It's so, uh, I'm, I'm amazed here because, uh, you know, the, the, you're trying to attack so many different challenges that large companies, credit card companies, these big guys, even Square, right? These, these the ones that you hear in the news all the time these days um, are, are trying to attack in a different, and you're doing it in a completely different way. I, I do have this, like, walk us through an example of something like this. So uh, instead of charging um, the, uh, the, the transaction fees, that credit card companies do or pro credit card processing companies do, you guys offer some kind of incentive for, for people to come back. Walk through that process, a typical process that uh, that, a, that a merchant would use with, with what you guys are doing with Level Up. Sure. So, so uh, many of the merchants uh, have um, opted to create what we offer as a uh, – uh, we, we Level Up offer um, different types of campaigns that a merchant could run using Level Up. So any merchant can sign up and start accepting payment via Level Up absolutely for free. Um, the way that we monetize and the way that we make uh, a business work is that we allow these merchants to run various types of, of campaigns uh, that will add value to their business. Some people want to run campaigns that will help them acquire new users. Uh, some people want to run loyalty campaigns that will help them keep uh, customers coming back more often and spend spending more money. Uh, others want to run a variety of different things that, that uh, we offer and will continue to offer. But they all really get down to that adding value beyond just moving money. Uh, so when you take that as a baseline, uh, one of the most popular types of campaigns that our merchants choose to run, and about 98% of them choose to run these campaigns, uh, is a loyalty construct. And the way that that unfolds with Level Up is 
a given merchant, call it a coffee shop, a local coffee shop, would offer a spend 50, get five. And what that means is when a customer comes in and spends $50 uh, over the course of several visits, uh, once they've unlocked uh, that $50, once they've met that $50 threshold, they then unlock a $5 credit. And that $5 credit is usable on the next visit. Uh, and so on this subsequent visit, the, the customer knows that they have a $5 credit waiting there at that coffee shop for them, uh, incentivizes them to come back. Uh, and most often we see a tremendous lift in the spend on that next transaction. Uh, and so we are able to show some really impressive numbers around both our ability to drive customers in more often as well as spend more money uh, on an average ticket basis. So we're very, very pleased to say that the loyalty campaign, being one of the most popular campaigns you could run with Level Up, uh, is really driving the ship in terms of our ability to drive results for our merchants. And that is Michael Hagen, COO of Level Up. You can go for more information, go to thelevelup.com. There's a great video. There's a whole bunch of information you can find about this company. And uh, stay tuned for the entire interview on, on Tether.tv. See if I love these guys. I just, you know, I, I hope for them. I ask him a question later on in the interview about the, the niche. Do they have an opportunity here? Do they want to be huge? Do they want to be small? Where do they, where do they fit? And, uh, you know, this is, a, this is such a competitive space that I, I hope for them but you know it, it can't be confusing for the consumer at the end of the game we we have to enable transactions not confuse consumers they're going to go back to cash we're going to start start barter, bartering back into uh, like we're going to be giving up stones like, i'll trade you three stones yeah. for some wood i'm all for barter i like barter yeah so do i we got a lot of stuff around here that i don't use that much you know yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, check it out. TheLevelUp.com. Um, and if you're a merchant in the States that are using this, or if you're not, if you had any experience with this, it's a very pleasant experience. And, and it does increase basket size. There's statistics that Michael reveals in the interview where it, it's significant, the amount of money that people that people receive on the second and third visits and loyalty, obviously increasing loyalty through this as well. And, you know, the, the process by which they changed their thinking as a result of Scavenger, which still exists, but rolled up into level up, I think is a pretty cool process as well, especially when it's it's about, um, you know, these guys have been invested in by some big guys and and they're betting on this. So uh, thelevelup.com. Thanks, Michael, for being a part of this and for untether.tv. You know, it, it's one thing to listen to this show on a regular basis. It's, it's another thing to subscribe to it on iTunes. You know, Asif? We love yep. people who subscribe to, to this show on iTunes, don't we? And we've had, for the first time in a while, we've had some great feedback from folks that have subscribed to us to iTunes. And I, I am absolutely going to pull it up on the screen here. But I, I really want you guys to take a moment here to go out, jump onto iTunes, and give this a rating. You can also subscribe to the show. Makes it easy for you because that way when the new show actually hits the airwaves, you will get notified on it. Just like Chris... Noons or Nunes, which I really appreciate this. These are two guys that have actually uh, give us a great review. I'm going to read them because they are worth it. And we really appreciate this. So, so this is from Chris Nunes. My apologies if I didn't get that right, Chris. These guys do a great job surveying the business of local social mobile. Really appreciate the resource of the week too. Can't believe they actually produce a whole show every week, sometimes faster than that, and sometimes even faster than I can stay on top of the podcast. Great work, guys. Keep it up. And producing is a light term here, I would say. Would you, Asif? <laughs> we, we, yeah. We, we try to do stuff. We're, we're not as polished as, as NBC or CBS, but we do our, our best. Uh, a second review, and that was a four-star out of five stars. Like, Chris, what do we have to do to get that fifth star, buddy? Let us know. Um, and the, the other review is by somebody called As, uh, Action. Again, terrible, terrible. My apologies. Super show, incredibly rich content, great insights from field experts. Again, I would, uh, I would label you as an expert. I'm a tag along. So uh, we really appreciate That was five stars, by the way. Really, really appreciate you guys out there doing the subscribing and, and reviewing the show. Man, it means a lot to us. And to get that kind of uh, response, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, we truly appreciate it, and uh, yeah, and and if there's negative stuff out there too, we want to know about it. We want to know where we can improve. Just not in print. 
Send that to us personally, okay? <laughs> Send that to Rob personally. Yes, untethergmail.com. <clears throat> Send it my way. That's all good. So, <laughs> if you uh, if you don't like my editing job, we're doing this on the fly, which is always a challenge. But we really appreciate the the feedback. We're trying to bring you the most relevant stories, and if we're not, hey, you have a mechanism to reach us. We will feature the stories that you think are important to us. Reach out untethergmail.com or asif at thelbma.com. And thank you guys for reviewing those for giving us those reviews. We truly, truly appreciate it. All right, on to some funding and M&A news. How about this? Before Airbnb ever existed, before it, before that billion-dollar valuation, before that, that house that was trashed, before all this news, there was this little company called Crowd. Couch, sorry, Crowd. Couch Surfing. Couch Surfing. These guys, these guys yeah, were the so first. This company's been around since uh, 1999. Oh my goodness! 1999. 1999. Um, yeah, and um, I was you know, young. They're still there. They're still doing. Um, you know, helping you find uh, a place to uh, bunk down when you're uh, on the road or wherever. Uh, you know, find a couch near you, kind of thing, uh, as the name implies. And um, yes, yeah, so they raised 15 million dollars for. Uh, this is a Series B. From General Catalyst Partners, Menlo Ventures, Benchmark Capital. I mean, these are big, big guys. Uh, total now $22.6 million raised. Um, apparently, they've got over 5 million users um, on the system today. So this is, uh, you know, I, I think the whole the whole space, you know, uh, we've talked about Airbnb, you know, trip uh, trotting and you know, all that kind of stuff before. Um, you know, th th this is a um, you know one of those markets where you know many players can exist. These guys seem to be doing okay. Still, um, it it's cheaper to use them than Airbnb uh, for from the user side of things. So um, we'll see where it goes. But uh, you know, they got an extra fifteen million bucks to help. Well, I mean, I'll I'll take that in any day. And I think that um, you know, I was watching the video on 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 these guys on couchsurfing, and and it's very much. Like it's a .org, couchsurfing.org, and and it's an interesting thing because I, I think it's a bartering system. Right? I, mm -hmm. I don't know much about this. I don't much about so it. They start as a nonprofit, right? Yeah, so. it's a uh, yeah, they're they're raising money. So this is a, a neat a neat piece here. But they raised fifteen million. You said that bringing it, uh, their total up to over twenty six million. I think this is an interesting thing. And if you've used it, I'd love you to hear. I'd love to hear from you. Um, and this is I don't know what they're going to do with that kind of money. I don't at all. But boy, oh boy, it'll be interesting to see what happens with these guys. They've, and they've only got 30 employees, so. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Well, good good for them. Couchsurfing.org. Go and check them out. All right, Braintree. Uh, this is, uh, you know, we talk about mobile payments. Everything that we're talking about here is a lot is around mobile payments. So Braintree acquires this company called Venmo. And uh, Venmo is uh, a social payment uh, platform as well. So this is, this is uh, you know, we're starting to see this roll up. As the year comes to, uh, you know, we're coming into the second half of the year. What is the significance of Braintree buying this company, Venmo? Well, Braintree is a company that's, uh, you know, been around for a long time. Big player in the uh, credit card processing uh, side of things, the online credit card processing side of things. So not un uh, unlike, in some respects, you know, where PayPal, part of PayPal sits. Um, but these guys do like the, Airbnb. The Venmo piece is really interesting because for me, Venmo is, uh, you know, this is, as you said, this is about social payments. So this is about, uh, you know, paying friends for things, you know, cab rides, uh, transferring funds uh, between people. Um, you know, so, so this is an interesting combination. Um, and Venmo is, you know, is, is not a company, you know, that's been around all that long, right? Uh, you know, it's only been out there, I think, less than a year. Um, there's some big, uh, big big brands that are uh you know uh, that are using them as a back-end payment system so angry birds uses it living social uses it airbnb we just talked about uses it so uh you know there's a number of uh of players that are you know on the venmo system so that you know if you're braintree i think this is this is a good a good pickup it sounds like yeah i think so i mean social payments to me are are the the lowest common denominator i think that this is one of those things that if we get right 
it will lead to a, a much more comfortable feeling around paying with your phone. So I, I think that this is the beginning of this. And, and there's a lot of companies out there like tweet to pay, text to pay. And, yeah. and this is this is another piece along those lines. But there are still so many companies in this space. I mean, as you said, PayPal does this. It's it's just it's overwhelming at some point. And, and you want to kind of shake the tree. You want to wait 18 months, 24 months, and then you're going to start to see. And I think that consumers are going to have to wait that long before something that you know, becomes universal, starts to emerge because of all of these. So lots more acquisitions. There have to be lots of more acquisitions when it comes to this. And I think they just kind of roll up into three main companies at some point, don't you? Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, no, I do. I mean, you know, we've talked about that before. I think, you know, like we saw with the the early location check-in space, we you know, we saw companies get bought up uh, by the bigger players. I think the same thing happens in sort of the, in the payments uh, world as well. So. Yeah. Well, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, next year is going to be that year because, uh, you know, by 2014, we have to be fully entrenched in payments or else this is going to, this might take forever. And especially when you start to talk about the, the money that's at stake here. And again, it can't just be replacing, the, the, you know, a company like Venmo adds a little bit, um, considerable value actually to the replacing cash industry that, that a lot of uh, mm -hmm. companies are focusing on, on right now. And I think that this is, we're, we're going to see many offshoots to what they're doing, but again, Massive roll-ups that we, we got to start seeing in order to be able to accelerate the adoption of, of payments um, in the coming year or so. So Braintree acquiring Venmo. If you're interested in Venmo, just go to Venmo.com and you'll find out a little bit more information about them. I'll include a link, obviously, in the show notes. Our last news here. This is... Uh, okay, so let me get this right. You take one company that went bankrupt went into receivership and you take another company that went into receivership and <laughs> you let them emerge from receivership. And then a year and a half later, you say, Hey, let's take a bad idea and put it with another bad idea and merge the two together and create like, doesn't, I, I mean, does too bad equal a good here? It might, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's got a good shot. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I'm a big believer, you know, we sort of just alluded to this in some respects about, you know, little companies being bought up by big companies. Um, you know, and I think sometimes size, uh, you know, gives you the ability to compete uh, in a better way. Um, well, we and should... I think for me, that's what this this is all about. So you know, this is... Dex, we're talking yeah. about Dex1 and Super Media, um, you know, and when you look at the U.S. Uh, directory business, uh, and that's and that's the business that the, both of these guys are coming from. Um, you know, there, there's really you know only a handful of companies of any note of, of of size. You know, and here you have two of the biggest effectively coming together uh, or forming the biggest now. Um, you know, uh, you know based on this deal. So um, collectively uh, between the two companies, you've got 3.1 billion in revenue based on uh, 20 on their 2011 numbers. Um, uh, there's a 60-40 split on, on the shares on this between Dex having holding 60 uh, and uh, the super media guys uh, holding uh, 40. Um, yeah, I mean, this will be interesting. I mean, this is uh, you know this 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 is a sizable deal in a still important business of of directories, um, and it's not we're not talking just you know print yellow pages here. We're talking. Uh, you know, online directories. We're talking about um, you know, recommend uh, you know, re you know, recommendation engines tied to this. When you're talking about location uh, data, you're you're talking about reputation uh, uh, engines connected to this. That's a big part of where the you know directory business is going right now. Is not just you know, here's the business listing information, but here's the reputation score of this particular business and things like that as well. So there's there's a lot of pieces uh, to this. Um, but now you've got effectively you've got three companies that that that'll now run this market. So you've got you, you know YP uh, Yellow Pages uh, you know group. You have you know this new combined uh, thing which will be called Dex Media, uh, and you have Yellow Book out of out of the UK. Uh, and and those are your big three. Yeah, a big big is probably good in this instance, but uh, I love how they lead with the fact that this combined company is going to save between 150 and 175 million dollars. Shows you the excess and the waste that's going on in this space. And and can they turn the corner? I don't know. 
I come from old school math where you take a negative and you add a negative and it doesn't it doesn't equal a positive here. I you know, I, I I don't see this as a as a good move. This is a survival move. I would have been much more appreciative of this if they had gone out and bought a company that was in a space that actually could complement what they're doing other than merging these two. So, uh, you yeah. know, is this just an accelerated um, demise for this? Yeah, I, I won't disagree with your survival comment at all on this. Yeah. I, th I think that that's a fair comment, um, but I think you've got a better chance of surviving with some size than you do uh, independently, you know, just letting it go. Absolutely, and you know we talked about what Groupon was doing, or not what Groupon, what Living Social was it? Living Social that was doing this, where they were they were uh, tying in with the Yellow Pages yes, uh, Salesforce, and maybe yeah. you know I think that there's there's a play here for Amazon. partnerships. Amazon, Amazon, yeah, not yeah, that's right, not Living Social. Yeah. Amazon was doing it. I think that there's a play here for that kind of relationship with with this type of directory, and and especially, come keep coming back to this. You know, we had a great guy, uh, we had a great company that came on to um, Untether Untether Talks, Inrix, and they talk about big data. And I think that what these guys, so whatever this company looks like, their data is now much more valuable than all the information that they have. So as you were saying earlier, all of that data that they're collecting around preferences and around uh, uh, purchasing behaviors and searches and, and contextualized information, that is much more valuable than anything that they could have. So why not start publishing some data? Open up a new division, open up a new business around the data that's coming from this so that we can actually enhance and increase retail experience and and findability and all those things that that retailers are struggling with in this uh, digital world help them and use that data for some good but you can sell it because quite frankly retailers are interested in this kind of stuff yeah they can do that so hopefully these guys dex media this combination starts thinking that way and they're not just putting these two companies together to do the same business that they were in before because that would just to me signify the end of that company so Dex Media, interesting. They're going to save a hundred and between one hundred and fifty and one hundred and seventy-five million dollars just by joining. You think that even independently they could have saved a third of that, half of that? It just seems like there's so much excess being spent. And then you see how big this industry really is still when they can save that much money just in duplication. So that's it. If All your right. story was not up there, it's your fault because you didn't tell anybody. And I would fire your marketing person and your PR person if you are not on one of those stories because it's pretty easy. We are cheap. We are so cheap. All you have to do is reach out on tethergmail.com or seef at theLBMA.com. We will get your story. Funding, M&A, whatever it is, we'll get it into our top funding stories. Reach out, please, 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 or else you yeah, will and have and ours. If, you know, if you're interested in, uh, in sponsoring the podcast, we're open to that too. Yes. So you know, let us know. We're not adverse to taking cash from you, the fine listener. I'm not going to charge for the podcast, but it would be great if we could actually keep it floating. 92 episodes in. That is it for the funding and M&A activity. Good week, a good week. We only have one little bit left, which is the resource of the week. And I don't know about you, Asif, but I think that they've underestimated the value of mobile ad spend by 2017. First of all, you know my point. You know my opinion about people who predict that far into the future. Right? <laughs> They're full of shit, right? But when people put this kind of a value on 7.4 billion by 2017, it assumes a lot, but it is a big number, and those people that are doing it are uh, seem to be in the know. So let's talk about this number. Do you believe this number, Asif? I actually, personally, I think the number is low. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, so this is a number coming from uh, a new study from Juniper Research. Um, uh, you know, saying that mobile ad uh, spend is going to be seven point four billion twenty seven by you know by twenty seventeen. Uh, personally, I think it's low. I think it's going to be a lot higher than that. I think the way you know mobile advertising is actually going to happen, is, you know, uh, you know, here's where I'm coming from. Making a prediction to 2017 on mobile advertising based on how we receive mobile ads today, um, you know, what's the point of that? Because by the time 2017 rolls around, we'll, we'll be getting ads in in all sorts of ways we can't even imagine yet. Yep. Um, so. That's the challenge I have with this. But anyways, with that said, um, you know we'll have at least seven point four billion dollars. <laughs> I think, um, you know, in, in this framework, um, they're talking a lot about, you know, much of it being uh, centered around SMS, 
which I completely agree with because you know I've, I've been on an SMS bandwagon for a little while now, and and, and I've been saying, look, you know, the simplicity of SMS uh, in terms of uh, you know delivering location-based contextual um, ads or uh, content or whatever the case might be um, in a geofencing model, uh, you know, is far easier than having to have people download apps and and go through all that kind of stuff. So uh, th there's a bit of a you know sort of for me a you know a disconnect in, in in the in the report here that talks about you know the papers called mobile ads for mobile apps, and then they talk about SMS. Well, what does SMS have to do with a mobile app? I don't know. But anyways, um, you know that aside, oh, um, you know you wonder why people I'll are confused. That, you know, at least seven point four billion in mobile advertising, uh, SMS to lead the way. Done in apps, SMS in apps to lead yeah. the way in in mobile advertising. Uh, I'm with you on this. People who think that they can predict five years into the future are you can't. You can't. You, you people didn't see this industry coming. They didn't see this coming. And by the way. The, as you said, the way that we use mobile advertising today is going to be drastically different going forward. You know, banner ads are going to be gone in five years. I'm hoping that banner ads and mobile devices are gone in five years, and, and there's going to be a new way of doing this. And it isn't going to be a discount. It isn't going to be uh, consume, uh, um, uh, notifications and pop-ups and all the stuff that people are shying away from now because it's just being abused consistently. The challenge that I have with this is that we're focusing on the wrong number. We are. $7.4 billion in revenue is fine. It's effectiveness that I'm interested in. It is direct impact on the consumer and on the retailer as a result of that ad. We focus on the value of the market far too much because that market can implode any moment if the consumer and the retailer cannot get together and create some value. It's not fat finger pushing buttons or clicking on banner advertisements by accidents that, that generate the revenue. It has to be effective. And I think that if we focus like this, like we did on the web, so solely on the industry, like $7.4 billion. You know what? I'd be much more interested in knowing what the net impact is on retailers as a result of these ads. So I would look at it, say the net impact of the $7.4 billion spent on ads is a trillion dollars in, in transactions. That's the number that I'm much more interested in. The value yeah. that people receive as a result of this. We got to get out of this whole labeling everything as a, as a value, like $7.4 billion. You know what? Because that could disappear in a second if it's not proven valuable to the consumer or the retailer. And I think that that's what we risk here. As you said, the, whoever thinks that they can predict by 2017 is full, 2017 is full of it. But uh, this is, you know, methodologies here. And if you base it all on what we did yesterday, the curve looks like that. And the curve is going to continue. And if you plot that up by 2017, that probably is the number you're going to get. But don't hold your breath on it. I think that we will exceed that as soon as we find the right way to advertise effectively through these devices. Excellent. Well, I felt like this was a ranty one for me today, Asif. <laughs> I don't know what's going well, on. Well, you know, it's always a little bit ranty, isn't it? Yeah, for you? but I'm in a good mood. Can you imagine you if I... Well, yeah, you saw Springsteen. You should be in a good mood. I yeah. did. Did you check in? I did. I checked in at the Rogers Center. Yes, of course. And um, you know, I don't. I didn't get a swarm badge or something like that. Huh? Hmm. I'm in Canada, though. It's you know, we only have nine people that use Foursquare up here, anyways. Mostly a we're thief. Two by the we're way. two of them. Yes. So yeah. Hi. Right, so there's nothing going on. I mean, we're coming into the end of uh, August. The we are coming into the Labor Day weekend, and we are coming to back to school. So you are in town for the next bunch of weeks, a couple of weeks, and 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 not heading out on the road, which is great. Exactly, and uh, but yeah, it's uh, as soon as school starts, uh, work starts too. So yes, plenty going on. It seems that way, and now yeah. that Springsteen is done, I turn my attention to the Yankees winning the World Series, and Springsteen coming to Ottawa on October nineteenth. So I have a very limited scope here, and in between there is my kids' first day of uh, yeah. both of them, grade one. So I will. The, the biggest problem we have right now is is there going to be a hockey season? Yes, it is. That's it. That's the biggest concern we have right now. So I, really, I don't really care about the hockey season until like uh, April, right? I'll yeah, miss it. I've then. already bought tickets to the Winter Classic, so. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm going to Ann Arbor to watch this thing, and you know, I don't know if there's going to be a hockey season. So. Well, they'll have like uh, they'll have somebody. It'll be the old timers. They'll play. 
<laughs> All right, you guys yeah. who are still watching, still listening, whatever you're doing, if you wanted to contribute to this, we'd love to we'd love to hear from you. Reach out by email on tethergmail.com or asif at the lbma.com. You can Twitter us at Rob Woodbridge or at Asif Arkan or at the LBMA. You can hit us up on Facebook. You can hit us up everywhere. You can leave us a comment where you found this, um, and we'd love to hear from you. What, what do you think? And if you are so inclined, please subscribe to uh, to this through iTunes and, and leave a comment there as well. We can't respond, so if you do happen to leave a comment, we'd love you to send us a note saying, hey, I left you a comment on iTunes. Here's my email address because we'd love to reach out and thank you personally on this. So thanks for the folks that have already done that. Thank you guys for listening and watching or watching wherever you are. And Asif, man, episode number 92, done. Absolutely. We're getting Looking up there. Looking forward to 93. We will be back next week for episode number 93 of this week in location-based market. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to end this, of course, the way that we, we came into this with little Bruce Springsteen. It's going to take you out of here. You're probably not going to be able to watch this on iTunes, but Asif, man, have a great week. You too, buddy. See you later, Cheers. everybody. Johnny, you're a cheater. The pimps want their access. Said Johnny, you're a liar. Out of the shadows came a young girl's voice. Said Johnny, don't cry. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. On today's show, Twitter shuts down the door. Doesn't shut down the door.